welcome to saltier politics this week julie we missed i feel like since we last spoke we missed a ton why don't we start with your new job how's it working out you're working for chef smith at cnbc now you've left fox tell me tell us about it so it's been really incredible it's it's very fast-paced all news all facts and the group of people that i'm working with are like the best of the best from CBS, NBC, Fox is really, really great. And it's focused on the news and what is impacting Americans every day and why do we care? And, th- and that was that's the main question as we're writing and as we're producing segments. Why why should someone who's not me care? And, and that's what's guiding the stories. I'm putting myself out of business by saying this, but I think it's pretty refreshing that you guys don't have any pundits on, right? It's not opinion at all. Nope. It's just facts, right? It's just news. And that's something, no, I um, I don't know if people know this. I was at CNBC for about a year before I moved over to Fox. And the real reason um, I, I left CNBC was because financial news was something that I was not as into, obviously, as political news. But this is the first, I think this is the first time that CNBC has actually launched a newscast that's not just financial news related, right? Correct. It's the first time that they're just doing straight news and it's not focused on business really at all. It's right. plain, plain straight out news and I'm really enjoying it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's such a change of pace for what, from what you've been doing. And, um, and it's great. And Shep is great. I mean, Shep, uh, I think, you know, you came over to dinner last night and we talked about my interactions with Shep, and I had reminded you that I actually spent election night 2016 with Shep um, on Fox broadcast, because he was anchoring the broadcast network. We, it was interesting because I think what we talked about was when the returns came in and it looked like Hillary was winning, or sorry, losing, excuse me, it looked like Hillary had lost. Um, everybody had a reaction. Every single person had a reaction, including the straight news people that on TV, you wouldn't assume would have a reaction, but they all did. Except for Shep. Shep really had no reaction. Shep was very much like, just the news. All right, let's report this. We don't, you know, and and even off camera did not have an opinion or a reaction that I could see at least to provide, which I think is is interesting because I know Fox people, um, or not Fox, Fox viewers sometimes got annoyed that Chef wasn't a rabid pro-Trump supporter and, and reported the news in a very straightforward manner. The reality is he really, as far as I could tell, had no opinion that he provided even off camera. What I could discern, there was really no, um, nothing other than let's report this news, let's get it done. And he stayed up. I probably left there at 3 a.m. Um, reporting the news without any semblance of a viewpoint, which I thought was first of all, incredibly disciplined because everybody, and I mean everybody off camera had a reaction um, except for him. Right. And, and and it was pretty much very apparent the first day, like check whatever beliefs you have at the door and tell a story as if someone has never heard it before and let them, let them decide, but give them the facts. Right. And uh, for people listening who are going to say, no, Shep, say rabid liberal, unless you think facts have a liberal bent to them. Um, no, he's not. I think he just reports the facts. And sometimes the facts don't comport with what your preferred candidate wants you to believe. But nevertheless, 
They exactly. are fat. Exactly. Uh, I, I may not be happy when I wake up and it's raining outside, but it does in fact rain. <laughs> um, so I think in that same way, that's just how facts are reported. Anyway, um, RBG. So I feel like RBG was about a million years ago. I know. But I feel like it goes into kind of the current news of today when we talk about Donald Trump getting coronavirus and all the Republicans who are at Amy Coney Barrett's announcement. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mitch McConnell will ram this through one way or the other. I know he's postponed the session for a couple of weeks because so many Republican senators have tested positive. Mike Lee from Utah, Tom Tillis from North Carolina, and I'm sure there are more to come. But I also think there's no question that he's going to ram this through because he can. Um, and all the various contortions they're going through, like, well, you know, the Biden rule only applied and we only meant what we said about Merrick Garland when it's the president and the Senate are being controlled by different parties. No, it's not what anybody said. And it's not what Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, said not too long ago, where he said, if this comes up, you know, voting has already begun. Like, you know, mark my words, we're not going to hear um, a confirmation or we're not going to hold hearings or hold a confirmation. What's interesting is they don't really need to hold hearings. They can just bring this vote straight to the floor. I mean, they need 51 votes to do that. And I don't know that Mitch McConnell has 51 votes to do that. I mean, it depends. Look, Mike Lee's out of pocket. Tom Tillis is out of pocket. Susan Collins said no. Lisa Murkowski said no. So that's four. Can you come in and have Pence break the logjam? Sure. Uh, most likely he'll probably just wait until... Um, the election's over, but because it won't matter anymore, right? Okay. It won't matter. Win or lose, it won't matter to them. What will be interesting to me, and then you could have Susan Collins, even if she loses vote, and other people who are potentially endangered now vote for her as their last sort of token goodbye to the party. <laughs> but, but, but what I find fascinating is cynical this whole process is. I guess I shouldn't be shocked Mitch McConnell is the most cynical man on earth uh, aside from probably Vladimir Putin but it is interesting to me just how cynical this whole process has been I don't think it's in his interest to hold hearings because he knows full well that her views are out of the mainstream I mean out of lockstep with the majority of the country so why hold hearings when you could just ram this through in a majority up or down vote that's a very good point but do you think you know, let's say this happens after the election, Trump loses. Isn't isn't that going against the will of the American people to jam it through? It's going against the will of the American people now. I mean, the majority of the American people, the vast majority, do not want this to go forward before we determine who the next president is. They want the next president to make that determination, or I should say not the next president. They want the outcome of the election to determine who fills the seat. So if Donald Trump wins, he fills it. If Joe Biden wins, he fills it. That's He's going against that now. I mean, the reality is that the majority of the American people did not elect the Senate. The majority of the American people did not, did not elect this president. And that doesn't really matter at all to Mitch McConnell or to Donald Trump, because what matters to them is getting the seat Filled. And by the way, I, from a purely political perspective, I kind of respect it because oh here's gosh. what Mitch McConnell knows. The majority of the American people, I think there's some startling enough statistic I saw by 2040s, 20 years from now, I think it's something like 60 or 70 percent of the American people will be living in a handful of states. 
um, on the coasts. And the majority of the American people, there's over 300 million, 350 million Americans or so, they did not vote for Republican senators. And yet the way we, our, our, our government works, my vote in New York matters a lot less than somebody's vote in Montana. And yet everybody gets two senators. And so uh, it doesn't really matter what the majority wants. The same way the Electoral College is gonna progressively make it clear that it doesn't matter what the majority wants, which leads me to wonder by 2040, if we do have the vast majority of Americans living in so-called blue states, and yet the Electoral College is still the Electoral College, because obviously you need a constitutional fix to get rid of it, and there's no way that the majority of red states, the small states would ever vote to take that power away from themselves. What happens? I mean, it's almost like we're headed, I don't wanna say civil war, but it's almost like we're headed for a massive, massive constitutional reckoning because we will consistently be having these elections as we've had in 2000, as we had in 2016, where the electoral college is won by somebody who's lost the popular vote and sometimes lost the popular vote by a significant amount. How long is this tenable? I mean, how long are people gonna say that we demand a different kind of government, we demand a different kind of Supreme Court because we are the majority, not just a small majority, but a vast majority. And yet that's not what's happening. We are, uh, I mean, look at public opinion polls. Look at public opinion polls on Roe versus Wade, which is about to be overturned. People are very much for it and not for yeah. it being overturned. I mean, Planned Parenthood has a higher approval rating than anybody in Congress, and yet they consistently defund it. Why? Because a small minority in Congress, I shouldn't say a small minority, the majority of people in Congress represented by a small minority of people, or not a small, but a minority of people, don't want it. Um, the majority of the people in this country don't want this seat filled. Why is it going to be filled? Because the senators who control the majority represent a minority of people to whom they answer. It's also about, I think, the Republican Party trying to maintain the status quo. It was interesting. I uh, read about in Texas how Greg Abbott is is taking away a lot of uh, the ballot boxes for mail-in voting. Yeah. And so, for example, Harris County, which includes Houston, it's it has more people than 26 states, and he's diminished it to one voting box or one ballot box it, near the Houston Stadium, the NRG Stadium, I think. And that's one for Houston. And I know they me measure distance in Houston by how long it takes to get somewhere because two miles away from something could be two hours. So yeah. just that is scary because how many people are old? How many people with, I mean, COVID, obviously, not wanting to go out and now having one box? It, it just negates all of the kind of social distancing and everything that's happening right now talk about how to steal an election, you're trying to literally disenfranchise people, right? So in New York City, where I live, um, there are three ways that I can vote. I can either go in person on election day. I can do, they have, I believe it's 10 days of early voting where there are not a whole lot. One happens to be very close to my house, but not a whole lot of early voting 
locations, but there are early voting locations in the sense that you can go and vote early for 10 days, um, or you can vote by mail. That's fine. I mean, whatever. I'm, I, I'm going to vote early just because I don't know what the situation is going to be like on election day, and I just want to make sure that I don't get jammed waiting online for 10 hours. I, I will wait online if I have to for 10 hours to make this vote count, but still. But when you think about the fact that New York doesn't really make it that easy for people to vote because you still need a reason to vote absentee. COVID this year happens to be a valid reason. But then you contrast it with New Jersey. And New Jersey did something very good, which is that they had, um, they voted to have universal um, vote by mail. And not just universal vote by mail, um, which means that if you're a registered voter, you will be getting a ballot, but you can also vote um, every county is mandated to have, I believe it's two or three drop boxes. Some counties have drop boxes in every town. Um, my home county of Middlesex County, New Jersey, where I grew up, has a ballot box and a, a drop off box where you can put your ballot in every, um, in every town. Or you could vote by provisional ballot um, on election day, which is the least attractive option because that means your ballot won't count um, they won't count your ballot until they make sure two weeks after the election that you have not submitted an absentee ballot just to tamp down a voter fraud. So I, I think the, the issue is there's a state that's doing everything they can to get people to go vote. And it's not a purple state. I mean, there's no question Joe Biden's going to win New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Texas is a purple state. And Texas is a purple state because Texas is in danger. I don't know if Trump is going to lose Texas, but there's a Senate seat that's up in Texas that you know, could, and I mean could potentially, not will, but could, under the right circumstances, if everybody had the franchise, flip. And yet, where where is he making it difficult for people to vote? Harris County versus home to Houston. Houston is a very democratic, diverse town. You are making it hard for people of color to vote. They're not even being clever about it. No, it's overt. And then this whole notion of, oh, vote by mail is corrupt, vote by mail is corrupt, except, and, you know, and they have a, they try, first they try to make a differentiation between vote by mail, where you apply for an absentee ballot, and universal vote by mail, which is everybody gets a ballot, until they realized, oh, wait, there have been states that have had universal vote by mail, including Republican states, for a long time now, and there's been no voter fraud. So that excuse kind of went out the window. And then they're like, well, vote by mail is corrupt and look at all these examples of people, uh, you know, until they realized, wait a second, Donald Trump voted by mail. And Donald Trump, by the way, in the primary voted by mail in Florida, not because he was busy being president in Washington and applied for an absentee ballot, but because Donald Trump was down the road in Mar-a-Lago. He could have driven over and voted in person. He just chose not to. He was playing golf that day. And it's absurd, again, on primary day. He could have voted. But he didn't. He voted by mail. So did Kaylee McEnany when she was, you know, living, uh, I forgot where she was living, maybe in D.C., she voted by mail. Kellyanne Conway consistently voted by mail in New Jersey. Um, she used to live in Bergen County, New Jersey. She consistently voted by mail. Uh, the hypocrisy is just astounding. It, it, it's, it, and again, Donald Trump crapping on vote by mail as he votes by mail how, how it how people reconcile it in their head and, and believe that it really bothers me i don't get it because i think we've gotten to the point where they're making excuses and contortions look what's going on with covid right now right 
So for a long time, a long time, forget, it wasn't so long ago, it feels like 100 years ago, but this debacle of a debate that we watched, Trump made fun of Biden for always wearing a mask, right? He's always wearing a mask. He's hiding in his basement. Well, yeah, he's wearing a mask and he's campaigning from his house, largely, because holding large rallies without masks equals infection. And look what happened. You had the super spreader event with Amy Coney Barrett. You had the same super spreader event in Oklahoma um, at his rally when, sure enough, people died, including Herman Cain. Um, he lied and said he'd never held indoor rallies. Chris Wallace, for some reason, didn't um, contradict him on that and actually agreed with him. In fact, he has held rallies that are not outdoors. And look what happens. Like, you can't fight science. This isn't a Democratic hoax. This isn't like, oh, we got you, Donald Trump. It's not a gotcha. And look what happened. I mean, he's in the hospital. He's in the hospital, and he is on oxygen, maybe not on oxygen. We don't really get this straight scoop of what's happening. But it's problematic. So speaking of the debate, what how, I... How long did you watch it for? Did you watch the whole thing or did you have to turn it off? Oh, no, I watched the whole thing. I let my son stay up and watch the whole thing. And I wasn't, he and I had this deal when he was four, four years ago. I don't know why he got really into watching these debates with me. Because he's going to be an amazing debater. He already is. He already is because I can't want to debate with him. But he um, really got into watching both the Republican and, and, and Democratic debates when he was four. And I think it was really an excuse to like, you know, stay up late and then he would pass out of my bed and he would be able to make it for the whole night. But, you know, it became like a nice little tradition that we had. So sure enough, you know, 2020 rolls around and he reminds me um, because he remembers everything that, oh, remember when you used to let me stay up and watch debates when I was four and now I'm a sophisticated eight-year-old and why can't I stay up and watch these debates? So I said, sure, you can. And so we start watching the debate and about 10 minutes in, he looks at me and he goes, so mommy, the reason I wanted you to let me stay up and watch this debate is not because I really wanted to watch the debate, but it was just basically a scam to let me stay up. But now I'm really into this. And so he stayed up the entire time. I mean, he stayed up until 1030, which is an incredibly, you know, way past his bedtime. And he was just, he was at once mesmerized, intrigued and appalled. On the one hand, here's an eight-year-old boy who's like, oh my God, somebody actually gets to behave this way and like not get into severe, severe trouble with their mom. Like he was just like, he like his eyes like lit up. He's like, oh my God, there are people like this who will like get away with behaving this way because he knows that if he ever interrupted the way Trump did or kind of, you know, was as rude as Trump was, he would get in serious trouble. And then <laughs> when Biden told Trump to shut up, he was excited because that's something I never allow him to say. Right. So he's like, wait, people actually get to say this kind of stuff. It was like, it was like Narnia. It was like this open door to like being able to behave in every way that you know you're not allowed to. And suddenly here are two people who are allowed to behave this way. And then at some point he turned to me and he was like, if I behaved like Donald Trump, I would be in so much trouble from you. And I said, yeah, you would. <laughs> and I said, forget me. Can you imagine if you behaved this way in school? And he's like, oh, I get kicked out. I was like, there's no question you get kicked out and rightly so. I mean, this is what we're kind of setting an example for, right? It's really bad. Even even when uh, Biden said shut up, I just have this visceral thing because I remember when I was younger, I told my mom to shut up or my 
parents and they're like, you never say shut up ever. And it was just something that it was just like, oh man, this is, what am I watching? These are adults. My whole thing with the word shut up with him, like, I don't, it's not that I mind if he uses the F word or whatever he, he, he doesn't actually, but sometimes I let it slip on the phone when I'm talking to people and he overhears, but, um, that's just a curse word. And it's not a curse word that I encourage that he use, obviously for, you know, but to, what I've always said to him about shut up is shut up is a really harsh thing to say, because it's basically invalidating somebody's thoughts, right? It's basically saying, I don't want to hear what you have to say. So shut your mouth. Yes. Like you're saying is not valid or fascinating or interesting enough for me to bother listening to you. So shut up. So in our house, shut up is just one of those phrases that you just never use. I think just for him to watch these two men go at it like this, one of whom is going to be the president of the United States without penalty in his mind, <laughs> without Chris Wallace giving them a timeout or telling them to, or telling them to, you know, or, or just cutting Take their Trump's mic. phone away for you know, like a I, week. He, was like, yeah. he basically was like, are they going to cut their mics the next time of the next debate? And I said, I, I have no idea whether there's going to be a next debate, but I don't think so. I think the rules are the rules. The presidential commission really negotiates those rules very, very, very carefully with both parties before they agree to debate. So it's very hard to change the rules without the consent of both parties. Um, and uh, so I don't know. And now, obviously, who knows if there is going to be a second debate because who knows if Trump is going to be in any shape Based on what have you, a debate. Well, based on what you saw, because as you've trained so many people for debates, do you just throw that book of training that you have away and are just like, okay, we're just... Yeah. You know, I spoke to somebody, a, a very close friend, who trained Hillary for her debates with Trump um, in 16. And I remember she and I talked before those debates and I said, how's it going? And she said, it's it's hard to, to train somebody for a debate who, who you just, I mean, kind of the rule book goes out the window with this guy, right? Like you don't know what you're going to get. I think by the time Biden was training for these debates, you kind of knew what you were going to get with Trump. I mean, I don't think it shocked anybody that Trump behaved the way he did. And people are blaming Chris Christie and they're blaming Rudy Giuliani for not training him well. And the reality is, first of all, Chris Christie's an excellent debater. Rudy is insane, so I'm going to put him aside. But how does Chris Christie train Donald Trump? I mean, you can't because mm -hmm. there's no discipline. What's the point? There's no point in doing debate prep. I don't care how good you are. And as I said, Christie is very, very good. You could be the best debate coach on the planet. And there's still no way. I mean, there's just no way. And so I think that's very problematic. Because that's just, you know, what, what do you do? Right. You can't talk about the issues. You're, you're kind of fighting ad hominem attacks at you the whole time. First of all, the way this was structured, I cannot believe that the Biden campaign agreed to this because unless they wanted Trump to do what he did to look bad, because you can't say, okay, I'm going to give each candidate two minutes for us, you know, to, to answer the question. And then we're going to essentially have a free for all free flowing discussion. There's no free flowing discussion with Donald Trump. It's impossible. Right. He's not one of those people that you could have a dialogue with. I mean, have you ever seen him actually engage in a conversation? I haven't. He talks at people. He doesn't speak to people. And I've never had a private conversation. Well, it's not true. Sometimes in the Fox Green Room, we never even had a conversation. We, you know, he, he posed for pictures of people, not with me, but 
kind of, he, he is in real life exactly what you see on TV, but I've never actually seen him engage in a conversation. Like you came over for dinner last night. We had a conversation. I told you what was going on with me. You told me what was going on with you. We talked about it. Right now we're having a conversation. It's not what he does. He talks. It's like a soliloquy, right? <laughs> Just not eloquent. Yeah, it's a very non-eloquent soliloquy, exactly. And then he does, you know, to take this absurd theater analogy to its absurd conclusion, he's got his Greek chorus of enablers who he, he gives a soliloquy, a soliloquy, and then they all, you know, do the Greek chorus of, of, yes, we agree with you, Mr. President. You're so smart, Mr. President. Suddenly he's up on the debate stage and Chris Wallace is trying to not let him get away with it. Joe Biden's trying to not let him get away with it. And he just goes to 11 to quote Spinal Tap. Right. So. So Julie, what, what is making you salty this week? Um, what's making me salty this week is the number of Republicans who are now saying how absurd and awful it is that Democrats are gloating that poor Donald Trump is in the hospital. And of course, if roles were reversed, they never would gloat. I haven't seen any gloat. All I've seen was graciousness from like Clinton tweeted, Biden tweeted, Obama tweeted, and they're just all hoping for the best. And Biden took away doing any negative ads and Trump isn't doing that. Well, and what I said on Twitter, it's interesting. I tweeted out that if roles were reversed, would Trump ever do that? And everybody kind of piled on and said, I can't believe you're you know, saying this now at a time when Donald Trump is so sick and how could you? And here's the reality. There, there are two things that can happen at once, right? Because we're able to all think critically on, on parallel tracks sometimes. One, you could wish him well and hope he gets better. And two, understand that unlike the essential workers, unlike the um, White House staff who have no choice but to wait on Donald Trump and, and, and support the president as they do, he really had a choice here. He had a choice, right? And I say this as somebody who got COVID. Now, I got COVID because I made a choice. I made a choice early on to keep riding the subway, which is where I think I got it. If I had made the choice to ride the subway a month later and I got sick, I'd you know, i be making a calculated risk to have done that. He made a very calculated decision to not wear masks, to tell people and to act as though this thing were gonna, was not going to affect him. It was going to go away to have these super spreader events, to have rallies, to have his acceptance speech on the White House lawn without anybody wearing masks, to not get tested, apparently, before going to this debate where he was in close proximity to a lot of other people. His family chose not to wear masks, despite the fact that Cleveland Clinic insisted that they do and actually offered them masks when they sat down. And so what do you, what do you expect? It would be like somebody standing in front of a train and, and trying to jump out from in front of the train, like playing a game of trying to jump out in front of a train. And then they get hit by the train and people say, oh, how sad it is that he died. But at the same time, you have to say, 
Yeah, but if you weren't standing on those tracks in the first place, the train wouldn't have hit you. Exactly. It's careless. I mean, what else? What else? So, so all these Republicans who are saying Democrats aren't being gracious. No. What I feel incredibly angry about, it's not even salty, but I'm incredibly angry about, is that his doctor, and we still haven't had a straight story here, said at one point that he had been diagnosed on Thursday. Where was he on Thursday afternoon? At Bedminster, New Jersey, at an event, not wearing a mask, at his country club in New Jersey with a bunch of people, all of whom are now. So that's another super spreader event. And what are those people going to do? Those people are all going to go out into their communities in New Jersey and affect other people unknowingly, but they weren't wearing masks either. He might have done it knowingly. That's the part. They won't tell us the last time he took negative COVID test. We still don't know when his last negative COVID test was. People keep saying he gets tested every day. Well, they still have not answered when his last negative COVID test was. Right. So... At that point, he already knew that Hope Hicks, to whom he's always in close proximity, was sick. So there was a distinct possibility that he was sick as well, that he had gotten exposed. And if he had gotten exposed, even if he didn't know for sure that he'd been exposed yet, let's take them at their word when they started backtracking and said that he didn't get a test until he got back from Bedminster. But he already knew that he'd been exposed by Hope Hicks. And that's the thing that's crazy because... When I go to the gym, when I go pretty much anywhere, I have to answer a questionnaire. Have you been in contact with somebody who's had COVID? You know, have you experienced symptoms? Have you traveled to somewhere? He has been in contact. Like, he could not fill out any of those forms and be allowed into so many places. Listen, every morning before my son goes to school, I have to answer a whole range of questions. Did he... Um, has he been in contact with anybody who's been exposed to COVID? Does he have a fever? Does he have, I mean, like all this stuff, right? This is an eight-year-old. How, how come the president who's at risk and is surrounded by other elderly people at risk or not elderly, but adults, I mean, adults are just much more at risk. Why are they not filling out these type of questionnaires in their heads? I mean, why, how could he have gone to Bedminster? I think you're just selfish. Or it was just selfish. I mean, this is somebody who just doesn't care, even about his own donors. I mean, these are people who are ponying up a tremendous amount of money to his campaign. He couldn't have cared less if he exposed them. You know, now they're all freaking out. All these attendees who were there, some of whom I know. Well, I'm sorry, but like, what did you expect to have happened at this event? Yep. You weren't wearing masks. You're all mingling with each other as though it's, you know, I mean, I've gone to, I, I got to tell you, I've gone to work meetings in the last few months. We all sit probably about at least 10 feet apart and everybody wears masks, including me. And I still have the antibodies because I get them checked every so often at Mount Sinai. Because that's just what you do. And that's not what happens at these Trump events. No. And so for anybody who's like, oh, you know, all the schadenfreude Democrats are sitting here. Um, you know, they're not being gracious, they're not being this, they're not being that. Listen, this is a man who ran around making fun of Joe Biden for wearing a mask. Sean Hannity and all of his media acolytes made fun of Joe Biden for, quote unquote, being in his basement. And then if Joe Biden comes down with coronavirus, which he still might, how's he, how will he have gotten it? By being in close proximity to Donald Trump on the debate stage. 
Can I also give you a fun fact? On October 2nd, when we found out Trump got coronavirus on October 2nd, 20, uh, 2016, is when Trump was talking about Hillary getting pneumonia, yep. which I just found poetic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it kind of makes you believe in karma in a really real way, right? Oh, yes. And it's, and it's not just him. It's I mean, all of them. It's Mike Leeds, Tom Tillis. It's the president of Notre Dame. Um, it's, it's the first lady. It's Kellyanne Conway. The very people who downplayed all of this stuff. I mean, the president of Notre Dame, my understanding is at Notre Dame University, you cannot attend those kinds of events. No. Banned. And yet here's the president of the university leading by example by attending one of those events. No, that's not how it works. Right. Not two rules. <clears throat> I mean, it's like Jerry Falwell getting wasted and drinking and engaging in weirdo, you know, God knows what sexual stuff with his wife and outside parties. While people who go to Liberty are not allowed to drink, they're not allowed to have premarital sex. I mean, you know, my my men lead by example. Exactly. That's it. Same, same with President Dame. So like he got sick. Guess what? You don't want to get sick. Don't sit without a mask. Or even with a mask. Surrounded by people who aren't wearing masks next to them as though it's 2018. Because it's not. Exactly. I, I just I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's like one guy, Richard Reed wanted to put a bomb in his shoe on a plane and now we all have to take off our shoes before we get on a plane right it, it, and, and and but here apparently nobody's learning their lesson no nope. it must be very frustrating to be a parent at this time just to be like yeah even though we tell you not to do something and the people in charge are doing it it's like don't ignore that example you know what i mean it's just counterintuitive. I think the problem is this. The hatred for the other side is so deep that they will make any excuse, and I mean any excuse, to prevent Joe Biden from becoming president. I mean, if Jesus Christ had a D after his name, <laughs> they would make any excuse to prevent Jesus Christ from being resurrected. <laughs> and I'm not the first to sort of make this analogy. Uh, I don't know if you ever read the Brothers Karamazov, but at least if you haven't, read the Grand Inquisitor portion of the Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky, because he makes that very same point that basically, you know, Jesus is resurrected, comes back to Earth, and the Grand Inquisitor puts him to the Inquisition because he's out of step with what the Inquisition wants. Um, I'm not analogizing Democrats to Jesus Christ. I'm just saying that there is no limit to the team sports involved on the Republican side. Yep. And I will say it with a completely clear conscience that if Donald Trump were running as a Democrat, I would vote for the Republican. I would. Yes. For the first time in my life, I would cast a presidential vote for a Republican. Because there are some things that are more important than the jersey that you wear, and it's the quality of the person who leads this country as a human being. And this man is not only responsible for downplaying a massive virus, that has led to needless deaths because a lot of his followers and acolytes listen to him and don't take precautions. But now 
he himself, I believe, has blood on his hands because if anybody in Bedminster dies or anybody from any of those super spreader events dies, like Herman Cain already did, but anybody at the Amy Coney Barrett event, that's on him. That is an affirmative decision that he has made to infect other people. Right. Especially Bedminster, especially when he either already knew that he was positive or more troublingly or as troublingly, even if he didn't know he was positive, that he'd already been in close proximity to Hope Hicks and she was sick and there was a distinct possibility he could be sick too. Exactly. And it didn't matter. Well, so sorry, get well soon, Mr. President, but uh, you have a lot to answer for when you do. And by the way, I made this point on Twitter and I sincerely mean this. You know, there are multiple states in in the country where if you have sex with somebody and you know you're HIV positive and you don't disclose. It's a crime. Regardless, regardless of whether that person is infected, it's a felony. How is this any different? By the way, you have a much higher rate of survival with HIV these days than you do with coronavirus. Statistically, I believe. Well, interestingly enough, you talk talk about a felony because what I'm salty about is the fight over Amendment 4 in Florida about allowing felons to vote. And oh, God. I, yeah, this drives me crazy. I agree with you. Pretty much. Yeah, it was bipartisan. ACLU and the Koch brothers endorsed Amendment 4, and it won by over two-thirds. Re- Republicans in Florida are pretty much giving felons a poll tax saying they have to pay all their debts before they can vote, which yeah. then re-disenfranchise them. But now, thankfully, Mike Bloomberg and people like John Legend have donated a lot of money to help pay for the felons. But it's, again, this whole idea of disenfranchising a large portion of America to not vote and in a purple state. That's the part that absolutely drives me insane. This is just blatantly, I don't see how this is constitutionally weak. I mean, I, I know a judge said it was, but how is this possible? How is this possible? We don't make somebody pay a poll tax to vote. Right. We just don't. And I completely agree with you. And I think it's awful. And I think the problem in Florida, Florida is very similar to, I mean, look, what the governor of Florida is doing is very similar to what Governor Abbott is doing in Texas, which is he's just making it very hard for people that he thinks are going to vote Democrat to vote. Exactly. That's all this is. I mean, if this were happening in another country, we, the United States, would send election monitors to see if this was a free and fair election. If Trump gets better, mark my words, here's what's going to happen. He might win at the polls on election day because his voters apparently have no problem going and doing things in person, whereas Democrats are more prone to voting by absentee, right? And it's going to take a couple of weeks for absentee ballots to come in. He's going to declare a victory on election day. On election night, he's going to declare a victory. He's actually going to declare a victory regardless of whether he wins the polls or not. And the real question will be, and the Republicans will all fall in line, and and, and the Russian media bots will chime in with how Democrats are trying to steal the election. That'll be the narrative while these Democratic votes are being counted. And then we'll see if the Supreme Court, with Amy Coney Barrett, if she's still there, steps in and stops the vote. Yep. You said it here. I said it here. Watch, watch, watch. That is exactly what they're going to try to do. Mark my words. 
a, a month from today, November 4th, you'll watch, turn on Fox News, and that's what everybody's going to be saying. Yep. I'm going to go eat the delicious cake you made me to not think of that for a moment in time. Oh, yeah. How was that cake? It's Tahini. so good. Tahini. I recommend to everybody tahini frosting. Bomb. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah I, I, I set you up last night. I sent you home with a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to go eat that right now and forget about what you just said, but it's noted here. All right. Have a great week. All right. Talk to you later.